0: This is Aaron Levine, LG Insurance with another episode of And Insurance. And today we are with Joe Astorita from Bonfilio and Astorita law, law Firm, Attorneys at Law, the law offices of Bonfilio <laughs> and Astorita, I think is what it is, out of Staten Island and Red Bank. How are you, Joe?
1: Great. Thanks for having me, Aaron.
0: Glad glad to have you. We have a lot of good conversations, some great topics to to discuss today. Um, we got a lot of questions when, when people are renting new spaces. So glad you could join us so we can really dive in a little bit, get a little bit deeper into how business owners should interact with their lawyers and their landlords when they're getting into into new real estate space. So give me a little introduction about who you are and
1: a little bit about your law firm. Sure. Um, uh, I've been practicing a little over 21 years. I practice both in New Jersey and New York, as you mentioned. Our offices are in Red Bank uh, at New Jersey and at Staten Island in New York. We cover both states top to bottom. Um, a few attorneys in the firm, um, we focus mainly on real estate related matters including leasing, commercial leases, uh, purchases, sales, commercial space, um, business matters from, you know, top to bottom, small to large, represent clients of all kinds, everything from hair salons up to uh, multimedia, you know, type corporations and everything in between.
0: So a lot of residential real estate as well, I know. Sure. That market is uh kind of wild. Yeah, is it is it taking you away from some of the business stuff or in the current environment, you know, it's kind of balanced itself out?
1: Well, I think given the last year, it's uh it's definitely kept us busy. Um, you know, with the way the market is, but as things are loosening up now, I'm seeing a lot more people returning to the business space. So that part of our practice is continuing to
0: thrive. Right. So we're we're excited, you know, from an insurance standpoint, you know, we're hopeful that a lot of People are starting new businesses. We're hopeful that people are going to fill up those empty retail spaces. And when somebody starts a business, they get a lease. Sometimes it's ten pages and it's handwritten or it's from nineteen eighty-six because <laughs> you have an old timer that's used the same lease forever and and hasn't changed. And that's okay. We kind of we like that too, I guess. Um, and sometimes we get a lease that's ninety pages long. Right, the bigger the landlord, the bigger the lease. I mean, as as many buildings as they have, they add a page for every time they acquire a new a new property, and they also ask for more and more insurance as they continue to to grow themselves. Um, when should a business owner, a prospective business owner, consult with you as, as an attorney, right? Should I consult with you when I want to set the LLC up, when I'm in, you know, getting my product and my figuring out my business plan? Or should I wait till I get the lease in hand and then reach out to you in a fire sale in an emergency situation? Like, give me a little of idea of what would be best
1: practices for a small business owner getting started? Sure. If we're talking about a business that's brand new and just getting started, um, always, my, I always advise bringing an attorney in early because there's a, there's a whole host of issues that you're not even thinking of when you're thinking about your business, because when you're in business, you're thinking about making money, getting your business up and running and trying to be successful at it. Having someone from the beginning is is critical, in my opinion. Um, and there's so many different types of businesses. Every one is different. It's not a cookie cutter approach to this. Um, so having someone counsel you along the way is is very important. So they answer your question absolutely from 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 the outset.
0: And so if somebody's reaching out to you early on, you know, you help them set up their, their entity and help them choose their entity type, maybe work with their accountant or help them choose an accountant
1: if they don't have one to get set up properly based on the type of business they are? Right. Absolutely. I mean, all these things go hand in hand. So uh, very often, much of the advice I'm giving, I always would vet with my uh, clients, other related professionals so it was helping them their accountant, their insurance agent, to make sure we're all doing this in, in lockstep. Um, yeah, it's important. And, and it's not even just so much as just getting their company form, let's say, because we could generally usually do that pretty quickly, right, once we decide in a course of action, and once you're about to enter into a lease, but why go through the expense of it all, until you actually get a spot, you're up and running, and you want to start operating your business. Um, you know, usually I try to also encourage people to seek legal counsel early because when they're dealing with spaces, particularly more sophisticated landlords, they'll get this thing called a letter of intent from a landlord or they'll be yeah. asked to provide one. And, you know, sometimes it'll just look like a form. Oh, this is no big deal. I saw it on the Internet. I use this. <laughs> but, it, you know, half the time it's knowing what not to have in there or what's what's missing. That's more important than what it says. Um, so that's another reason why I would encourage people to seek professional advice early. So is a letter of intent legally binding? Generally, it's not. Um, they're just an expression of the intent of the parties and their interests. But, you know, over the years, I have seen some interesting agents put together interesting agreements that say this is not legally binding except for, you know, A, B, and C of this letter or something along those lines. So you definitely don't just want to sign whatever a realtor's putting in front of you or the agent or the landlord, even if it's just called a letter of intent. Right. You want to have it, have it vetted and reviewed and, and negotiated before you get into the, the heavy lifting of the lease.
0: So getting started early, getting that letter of intent reviewed so you don't pre-agree to something yeah. that you don't want to agree to, and then that landlord says, hey, you put this in the letter of intent, you Haven't know. now we now land. we have an issue, and then you try yeah. to renegotiate it out after the fact is a lot harder than negotiating it early. Oh, and, absolutely. And, and, and I can't tell on.
1: you how often I'll get a deal where a client didn't seek us out or other counsel before entering into an LOI letter of intent. And then we're negotiating the lease, and the landlord's proposed lease has all of these terms in it. And my client says, "Oh my gosh, I didn't realize what this meant." And yeah, it's it's difficult to re- reverse engineer them and pull the terms out that the landlord will always say, "Hey, I accepted this offer based upon what you said you would do." <laughs> do you get anybody that
0: signs a lease
1: and then comes to you after the fact? Sure, all the time, <laughs> all the time. Um, most often, that's when there's a problem, right? You know, it's it's you know these these leases you know we have a phrase at my office it's never a problem until it's a problem problem. and very often you could sign a lease even if it's something basic or something ultra sophisticated without help and when you start out but it becomes an issue later on you don't realize it's a landmine waiting to explode down the line and i get that call all the time hey my landlord sent me a letter about this what does this mean and it's something they never had contemplated you know from from the outset
0: best practice is always going to be to start early get your professionals in line from your attorney, your accountant, and your insurance guy, and anybody else, any other professional you may need along the way with getting into into a business, um, so that everybody understands what's what's going on, what the expectations are, and then, you know, if you have a partner that takes this, you know, relationship to a whole nother level right? Do you get into buy sell situations with people going into partnership or going into business
1: together as well? Sure. All the time. I mean, the first thing we have to do is, you know, decide who we're representing in that transaction, who's coming to us and then, you know, propose that they have their own attorney. And very often when you have multiple partners in a business, they don't want to hire their own counsel to review things as a cost issue, right? Right. You know, when you're just starting out every dollar counts. Um, But I can't tell you how important it is to do that from the beginning, especially when you go into business with a partner or more, more than one partner. Because uh, it'll be much more expensive to unwind the problem than it will be to do it right from the beginning, and I see that all the time too. It's
0: it's the it's the start with the end in mind. I think is super important. Um, you know, from the partnership agreement, from a lease agreement, is knowing what your exit strategy is and how to get out of it, um, and having that in writing. And you know, but it's the it's not going to happen to me, you know, scenario. And the same thing with insurance is it's not going to happen to me, so we don't need to buy that. But knowing what the potential risks are associated with getting into any kind of insurance contract are also very important um you know with respect to that out how do we get out of it what happens if a situation arises how do i know what i'm going to get down the line and we're dealing a lot with you know when people bring us leases because we do review insurance clauses in lease we don't give legal advice we give insurance advice um and we try to do a pretty good job of it but we always recommend you know bringing bringing the attorney in but when the situation arises, and there's no claim paid out, you know people look at me as if you know we're we're the bad guy. Sure. You know we try to advise appropriately, but we also try not to oversell. There's a fine line. Um, we had a small business, doesn't have current insurance today. We gave him a nice proposal, asked for a small down payment. I said, well, I can't afford to pay that right now. I said, well, you can't afford not to pay that right now because if somebody something happens in your store tomorrow, and you get sued, well you're going to lose your store and you might lose your house and that LLC, while it provides you some protection, right? The LLC provides some protection, but if there's negligence involved, can the LLC be breached and get
1: sued personally from, from, if something happens? Those are all great questions. And the answer is it's possible, uh, you know, <laughs> a typical it's lawyer, a great lawyer answer, answer right? <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but, uh, I've seen it happen, you know, so it, it definitely is possible. And, you know, most often, when people are moving 100 miles an hour, setting up a new business, like I said, they're focusing on just trying to be, get an operation, get right. their operation underway, you know, and and start start the cash flows happening, and then you can build from there. But set, having the pieces all set up properly from the beginning is of critical importance, and it's it's more expensive in the long run and more damaging in the long run not to do it right than it is in the beginning. So I'm gonna I'm gonna pull something here, and uh,
0: you've seen this document. There's a couple of pages here. This is an insurance section um, to to a lease that that we've reviewed to together. It's a client of yours. Um, there's no names on this paper, so even if uh, James zoomed in, we wouldn't we wouldn't see anything. <laughs> um, there's a lot of insurance requirements on on this page, and I know that when we review this, um, you know, we have to take some things out. From time to time. You know, they use language that says equal to a hundred percent of full value, full insurance value. Who determines that full insurance value um is is a big question. Yeah. You know, in these situations where, hey, landlord says we want a hundred percent value, but it doesn't say value based on what date, because construction costs in 2019 were significantly less than they are in 2021. Big difference. Right. Um costs of operating a business are are higher today than they were in 2019 so business interruption needs to go up as well and i don't know if rents have come down that much you know during the pandemic time frame i don't think they have so there's not you know not really any deals out there so how do we know if we're we're doing it right we do things to the best of our ability but if the landlord turns around and says hey i don't think you have the right insurance you know does a landlord or the tenant, who has the upper hand in this with respect to either remediating and fixing the insurance or terminating the lease? Like how strong is the insurance section in a lease for somebody to, you know, have, have repercussions or be able to remediate and and fix something?
1: Well, it's, it's very important. I mean, so you know, some leases, like you said, you get a mom and pop lease. They're usually pretty simple. You got to maintain a certain level of insurance or something along those lines. And it's lines. been
0: faxed a hundred times. So yeah. it's just faded beyond belief. <laughs> it's faded. <laughs> it's angled.
1: It's like fax information on the top, like six times on the top of the page. But, you know, when you get to more professional, you know, institutional landlords, for example, um, you know, who have, you know, sophisticated legal counsel, you're going to get a very sophisticated insurance section of a lease. And we got to look at it very carefully. Uh, the you know the proof is in the pudding, right? The language of the lease is paramount. If it addresses the you know the scenario, how do you determine that valuation or what the cost is going to be, then that's what's going to control. If it doesn't, it's a, it's a very good question, um, and it's something that you can raise when you're evaluating the insurance sections of a lease. What unknowns am I going to have to deal with later? Um, and if a landlord comes back and has a has an opinion on you know a certain value that you don't agree with if there's no mechanism in the least to resolve that you know we get back to a reasonableness type of standard which can go you know in many different directions um, is it the actual actual cost of the construction at the time is it the value of that replacement at the time of the actual loss if a loss occurs to have to pay it back you know to pay to rebuild it let's say right. it's a building um, all of those are, are of critical importance.
0: So sometimes, you know, I feel like it puts me in a bad spot sometimes because I'm working for the business owner. If I'm representing the business owner, if I'm representing the landlord, I take a whole different stance on it. I'm like more, 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 more right. insurance. <laughs> but if I'm representing the business owner, I'm like, ah, that's overkill. You have too much coverage. You know, we still want to maintain high levels of coverage, but we also want to bring it down to a reasonable, a reasonable level. Like, you know, I think a lot of these landlords... Start high and they'll negotiate down a little bit. It's asked for ten million, but we know we're going to accept five million. Yeah, most often of, they expect that instead yeah. of ask for five and 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 go to go to one. Right, you can't you can never go up. Yeah, with it later on, <laughs> you can always negotiate. You can always negotiate down. So remember that if you're negotiating, start high and then you can negotiate to to an acceptable an acceptable level. Where I was going with that thought, but it's always you know starting high, going low, and then when we're working with a business owner, we want to make sure they have reasonable coverage. Um, when sometimes we think some of this is excessive and we'll try to make recommendations to bring the lease down to a reasonable level. But, you know, I don't want to get in trouble for advising somebody incorrectly. You know, is it my responsibility as the business owner's insurance agent to then follow the lease? And can I get in trouble if, you know, can I get dragged into a situation (laughs) here? I'm like, now I'm getting free legal advice instead of... uh, (laughs) Anything else? It's it's a it's a tough question to answer because it all. You're answering one of these yes no maybes again. Yeah,
1: sort of maybe kind of. um, (laughs) The uh, you know it's a lot of notice issues, right? So if you're aware of it, make your client aware of it, and then it's on them to decide yes or no, and then you just you know. prudent business standard type of follow up, you know, and just to make sure things are okay and they're following it. But you know, collaborating with the professionals on on it are, are probably the most important thing you could do. Right. You know, hey, you know, this these are my thoughts. Talk to your attorney, get get his or her input, see what they have to say, and then we'll come up with the best solution for you. And then ultimately, you're just trying to put as much information in front of the client as possible for them to make the most informed decision. Right. Right. Sometimes clients make great decisions. Sometimes not so great decisions. Uh, our job is to steer them what we feel is the right direction, give them the information, and make the best right. choice. At
0: The end of the day, they're writing the check for rent. Right. They're writing the check for the insurance. They're writing the check for the, the legal fees. You know, so the, the business owner is ultimately on the hook for for anything that happens, and you know, it's up to us to try to to advise and, and guide people to the best of our ability. Um, you know, if the business owner chooses not to comply, and it may not be the insurance section. Um, can a landlord terminate the lease? It has to go in front of a judge. It has to be vetted in court. You know, how, how sticky can it be? I'm just trying to make a point of how important this lease agreement is and, mm-hmm. and how binding it is, you know, to be to the letter of, of, of what's written in there.
1: Yeah, I mean, most often they'll have some type of notice provision where you're, or, or a disclosure provision where you're required to provide your certificates of insurance and so forth to evidence that you're complying with the lease, right? right. And a landlord can ask for that. Most often they can ask for it at any time on reasonable times, um, and if you don't provide it, you're typically gonna get a default notice from your landlord saying, hey, you didn't provide this, you don't provide it within X amount of days, this is what we're gonna, what we're gonna do, and they can give you a list. Typically, it's something, anything from terminating your lease or to uh, you know, imposing compliance by force placing you with insurance. So a landlord can go and engage in self-help in many instances where they can say, hey, you didn't get the insurance you're supposed to get uh, in place, you didn't provide as proof of that, we went and got it here's the cost and they charge it back to you and then it becomes rent or what you know additional rent or becomes rent under the terms of the lease and then if you don't pay that then that's a default situation potentially right Can get you into further trouble so um yeah you want to take you know keep a close eye on those obligations and make sure you're you're, you know providing the landlord with what they need to comply with the lease
0: right getting it getting into things early is going to be the most important thing so if you know what is what is your advice to to a new business owner? I know we threw a lot of advice out there for somebody starting a new business. Um, you know what what's the one thing that they need to do besides hiring you? Um, <laughs> which is a great idea. You know, which is a great idea, getting the <laughs> professionals behind you. But if there was one piece of free advice that you could give to people that are watching right now before they sign or enter into a lease agreement, what
1: uh, what what would it be? They really need to know what their business strategy is in both the short and the long term. You said something earlier about, you know, seeing the end game early, right? Knowing where you're going with this. Right. I mean, very often in business, you sometimes you don't know, business could take lots of twists and turns along the way. Pandemics, for example, is just one extreme example of that. How do you deal with that? What's your plan for that? Most businesses didn't plan for something like this. It's now something I think every business owner is thinking about, you know, but uh, having your plan early and knowing, wh- wh- you know, where you want to end up and how to get there is most important in right. my mind. Um, knowing when you're able to take care of these obligations. Like some business owners look at a critical mass of you know, cash flows and, and business sales in order to afford all these things that we're suggesting they do from the beginning. Right. At some point you reach that. And I know very often in the beginning, it's hard to do when you're first starting out. And we ha- I have these discussions all the time with clients. You know, you give them the information, they say, oh, I can't do it yet. I can't afford it yet. Um, I need to get started. But tackling those things as quickly as you can along the way is, is ultra important.
0: It's it's tough. I mean, I've been there. I'm a scrappy business owner. Um, and I still am a little bit scrappy, but I have great resources. And uh, and I'm a little bit smarter than I was when I was, you know, 25 and, and getting into business. And then I use the professionals around me. But you, just, you brought up a great topic about, you know, the current pandemic situation that we're in um, and the lack of business interruption insurance around the pandemic, you know, some landlords are saying, "Hey, you have to have all risk business interruption," um, and then it's like tenants are like, "Well, my insurance agent said it doesn't exist, and it 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 doesn't for the most part. There are some cases cases going on where there's some insurance companies have been breached for the business interruption, um, but not all of them. Mm-hmm. And I do think that the federal government at some point, as soon as they they get their heels together, there will be the pandemic uh, risk reinsurance program, which you can then buy into for the next time." but it's not going to be written into any, you know, national insurance program specifically for an insurance company um, because it's very difficult. But I know that there are landlords trying to put into leases. If there's another pandemic, you know, you're paying your rent, you know, whether you, whether you like it or not. Right. I know that that language is there. It's coming if it's not, you know, already fully out there. Right. Starting
1: to see it starting to see it, or some variations of that. It's it's Everybody's scary. thinking about it. Yeah, right. everybody's We're, thinking about it now.
0: It's top of the mind, but the insurance piece of that puzzle is just not there yet to, to cover it. And it will be, and we see in New York leases, the TRIA, Terrorism Risk Insurance Act, um, you know, that's required to be purchased for anybody leasing a business in New York City, in and around the city area. Sometimes in our area, the bigger landlords want to make sure you have TRIA as well for property and liability coverages. And so the the Pria, the pandemic risk insurance is going to be you know required in these leases as well, but that's you know federally backed federal insurance based program not to be mixed with your a rated required insurance company right. for your for your building coverage and when we're writing insurance on the coast well we're do, using a lot of Lloyd's of London you know we're not using a rated company we're not using an admitted company, so sometimes we need to make sure we strike that uh we strike that from the, the lease. So, great advice is to just seek your professionals early. Make sure you know spend the money, even though you don't have it. Just find a way to negotiate a deal with a you know an attorney, an accountant, and get your insurance guy on board to to really support
1: you in in starting your your business and really um, incorporate into the business plan. It just is. It's just another cost of doing business. Unfortunately, it is what it is. But the idea is to save yourself much aggravation money and the potential catastrophic loss to your business later on right that's the idea you got to protect yourself and protect your investment
0: sounds great joe thank you so much for joining us today i appreciate you taking the time to sit down and talk about commercial leases i definitely want to get into some employment related issues next time (laughs) um there's so much we can talk about you know the the legal world with employees and leases and buildings and and buying homes is, uh, is, is never ending. And as long as I have a camera in your face, I get some free advice. So I'm all (laughs) about it. So thanks for joining us, Joe. You got it. Anytime, Aaron.
1: Appreciate it. Thanks.